Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. And we're brought to you by... RampageCoffee.com. It's delicious coffee. It is good. Code word fan. That's right. Christmas is coming. Yeah. Sampler so pack would be support nice. Support local mm. small business, right? You know what? I was on their website. They've got masks. They've got t-shirts. They hats, they've got everything. hats. Yeah. Did you see the spoons? Yeah. The skull spoons? Yeah. Yeah, those are really cool. Yeah. So check it out at rampagecoffee.com and we appreciate them sponsoring us, especially when we have such great guests lately. Yeah, we've, we've been lucky. We have. And especially lucky having this gentleman on tonight. Yeah, in such short notice. Too. In very short notice. We welcome Bob Cranmer. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm fine, Dan. Thank you very much for having me. Bob, uh, I recently saw you on a couple of uh, programs. One was So You Don't Believe in Ghosts, I believe it was called. Uh, on Amazon. Well done documentary. Uh, yeah, that was funny. I, I really didn't know who those, you know, they called me out of the blue and said they were coming from a university and wanted to interview me and, and uh, came and, and, I mean, they were real professionals. Oh, it was, it was uh, impressive. They set up all types of lights and, and then I forgot all about it. And uh, <laughs> then I heard from him, you know, at least a year or so later, hey, our film is moving forward and it, it has just uh, really gone over uh, really big. I, I think just because the way it is constructed, uh, I, I think it's very compelling, very mm -hmm. compelling. And it was funny, within the same week or within the same few days, uh, I watched slash listened to you on uh, a good friend of mine show uh, Michelle DeRoche, The Outer Realm. And that's where I really discovered you and, and listened to your story as well. And Yeah, that was an interesting show as well, her, uh, uh, the way that was set up. And she has a partner. She, I think that her partner's from Canada. Yeah, they live very close to each other, actually, in the, Ni yeah. the Niagara region. As I said, I'm not sure how they got in contact with, with me, but that kind of came out of the blue as well. I've been interviewed so many times over the years. I mean, there was even a documentary done on uh, Moscow or Russian TV. Oh, wow. That was broadcast to the whole country. Wow. <laughs> so it was funny. Um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, synchronicities and uh, coincidences on, on our podcast. And just days after... I saw you on those two shows. I was at one of our local bookstores and, you know, kind of forgotten about your book and was just wandering around killing time because my wife and uh, the kids were doing their own thing. And I usually hide in the bookstore because I have no interest in the malls. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I just happened to look down. I saw this, you know, this uh, yellowish golden colored book about ankle high. And I bent over and I picked it up and it was the demon of Brownsville Road. And I was like, well, if that isn't a sign to get a hold of Bob Cranmer and have him tell the story, then wow. I, don't, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so I, I, I bought it. I, I went right to the car, sat in the parking lot for about an hour and started reading it. I read it within three days. You know, it's, it's an incredible story. Uh, one that we've heard other similar tales uh, over the years because we are paranormal investigators as well. So people who 
might not be familiar with your story and your book, The Demon of Brownsville Road. Can you just kind of lead us into it a little bit? Everything in it is true, obviously. It, it all happened. I, I kept copious notes uh, during the, 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 the battle, as I, as I call it, that took place over two years to exercise the demon from the house. And when it, when it was done, and I had experienced, you know, so many just completely bizarre, supernatural uh, experiences on a day-to-day -day basis, week-to-week, day-to-day basis, uh, that it almost just became routine, but also with a knowledge that this is true, you know? Mm -hmm. It's all true, and evil, and God, and angels. It's, it's just not faith or conjecture with me or thoughts. I know it's true. I've lived it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've experienced it. I've seen it. I've dealt with this evil. I, can, I saw the power of good. I saw its battle back and forth between good and evil. So I thought, you know, I, I, I just have to write this story out, testify to, to its accuracy and its, and its uh, veracity. And, you know, there are so many credible people that are associated with the story. It's hard to discount it. And, uh, so, so my, my, the, my message through the book is that God's for real, the devil's for real, uh, and, and, and you need to be concerned about it. You need to be concerned about your place, where you're at, and uh, what your eternal destiny will be. Right. Uh, it, it's true. That's my line in the book, and that's the message of the book. Right. You, you grew up in the same neighborhood as this home. And you were always yeah. you were always drawn to it as a kid. You know, you know, you'd, yeah, was, you'd always stop and look at it and stare at it and make sure that you kind of went out of your way to check it out. Did you ever did you ever wonder why or or ever really figure out where that uh, like you were meant to buy this house? It seems. Well, you know, I found out a lot of interesting things during the process of uh, the exorcism and met very interesting people and the priests that were involved and. First and foremost, a, uh, a psychic, uh, intuitive, Catholic intuitive, she's called. And uh, the information she was able to give me on the history of the house, what took place in the house, and details about the people who lived there, most of which I was able to verify. I, I did my best. I'm a former military intelligence officer. I dealt in fact and painting pictures from, uh, you know, smaller facts to come to a conclusion about things. And I was just absolutely amazed. I'd say a good 80% of what she told me that she had no way of ever knowing uh, turned out to be accurate. And one of the things she said was, which you just alluded to, that there was a, a, a component of I guess you would call it divine providence involved here for whatever reason, um, for my being associated with the house, eventually destined to come to the house to help cleanse the house. And that's why I was drawn to it uh, from the time I was a young child, just magnetized to it. And she said that, uh, like the souls in it were calling out to me. Now, you know, why I was selected to be involved, and I, I kind of feel sometimes that my whole life 
was designed around what happened here. Um, you know, to be able to go on to be a credible witness, to be an articulate um, uh, spokesperson for the story, to be able to have the tenacity and the ability to not only write a book, but, you know, to get it published by really the major publisher in the world, Penguin Random House. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's this, the, the message of the book is serious. <clears throat> And I think it's going to continue to uh, reverberate. I think after I'm I'm gone, I think it it's just going to continue because it's a strong message. Mm -hmm. Bob, did you have uh, some paranormal experiences or a belief in the paranormal as a young child? No, I mean not, not that you know, I, I can say. You know, I saw movies and so on, but you know, I, I I think you know I was interested in ghost stories just like any anyone, but. I never really had any direct experience. I, I guess I did at one point when I was a teenager, my parents bought a country house a couple hours uh, north of Pittsburgh. And uh, my brothers and I had some, um, or I should say my brothers had some strange experiences in that house. But I, I didn't have, no, I, I didn't particularly have any interest or any dealings with anything paranormal whatsoever. And no interest in it. Um, you know that was long before any any paranormal investigation groups or so on. And and uh, I, you know I, I'll tell you one thing. You know that I think the the thing that really started the real paranormal craze and the interest in it was that show Paranormal State mm -hmm. uh, that came on about ten years ago or so. And. Uh, I would say those young people that put on that show got their really got their start in my house. That's right. We were the first major case that they investigated, and Ryan Buell, the star of the show, would refer to our case uh, many times in his shows after that, and, and also claimed that this, a spirit from the house followed him. Um, maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but you know, I, I think that our house. And the experiences that those young people had in the house and to go on to have that TV show, the paranormal craze, I think kind of started with us. Mm -hmm. So, um, for, for what it's worth. Um, but, uh, so that's a long answer to your question. Right. I didn't have any <laughs> so, can you tell us, and especially for the listeners who aren't familiar, what kind of things went on inside your home and what kind yeah, of occurrences okay. you had? Well, you know, we moved into the house. You know, it, it's just like watching a movie. You know, young young, young family with four little children. It's like the Amityville Horror all over again. Oh, you know, a young family buys this foreboding house for the previous owners, uh, almost like have their suitcases packed and are ready to move out <laughs> and uh, shake my hand and take my first offer and say, thank you very much. Right. And then some things happen, and my wife gets creeped out, and we get creeped out, and I ask the owner, is there anything wrong with the house? And, oh, no, we've had mass in the house several times. Like, <laughs> what, what kind of answer is that? Yeah. So then time goes on, we move in, you know, strange things start happening, uh, somewhat, you know, innocuous or, or non-threatening, but nonetheless paranormal events. And we, we come to understand, my wife and my ex-wife and I am not, married anymore, but uh, that, that we live in a haunted house. And that goes on for some years, 
we get used to the paranormal events. We just think that it's a curiosity. We don't think it's harmful. Uh, but concurrently, at the same time, a lot of crazy stuff is going on with my family uh, and with my children, which I in no way account towards this ghostly presence in the house. But there's a time when it comes together, and all of a sudden, uh, this, this spiritual entity unmasks itself for what it is and becomes very violent, becomes very... Um, personal. Um, it's not a ghostly type paranormal situation anymore. It's an active, interactive situation where we're like living with the invisible man. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I, again, like the movie, I seek help. And uh, the only help that I knew of was the Catholic Church, just from the movies. Uh, go to the Catholic Church. And once I do that, things become even more bizarre because I, I think that they're going to be able to come to the house and, uh, you know, do a couple blessings and, and spread some incense and so on, and it'll be over. Uh, but they're the ones who tell me at the time, this is going to be a long and serious process. And uh, the Catholic psychic intuitive was involved from the very beginning, and she's the one who told them how serious it was going to be. Um, the folks from Paranormal State had talked to a friend of theirs, a psychic who lives in Gettysburg, before they came to the house to ask her advice, and her advice was, don't go there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> don't go there. Yeah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, they did, and, and I have to hand it to them. I mean, they were kind of reckless in what they did, but uh, their involvement was a watershed event. I think they they made this thing so mad when they were there uh, that um, it really came out of its shell. Right. And I basically, after that point, we took the offensive. I mean, I learned and we learned how to make its existence in our house as uncomfortable for it as it was trying to make ours uncomfortable and, and wanting us to move up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, we, we, we surpassed it. <laughs> we surpassed and, and, in making its, its existence. It was quite aggressive at times. I mean, you were getting scratched all the time. There were the, um, uh, some of the kids were seeing full apparitions. Crosses, it would move furniture. It would, you know, it, it, it covered the walls of the entire house with, uh, with blood. I change all the wallpaper. Um, yeah, it was quite aggressive. It did some pretty fantastic things. Uh, the main thing being that 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 blood situation. Um, uh, one thing I I, I I point to one night I woke up in bed and I was completely turned around in bed. My my, my feet were up on the pillows and I was down at the foot of the bed and I had not gotten out of bed. Well, and things like that just. It was it was it was crazy. It's like demonic you know, twister. <laughs> like demonic twister. Yeah. Right. And how did that? How pulled that off? I don't know. And you but, had uh, uh, experts uh, come in with the the blood on the walls. You had that all tested and everything too. Yeah, I had that tested. Oh heck, uh, three three different times. Wow. 
uh, by three different laboratories, uh, each one, um, you know, analyzing it. The, lab, the third one was very detailed. I mean, they broke it down into individual components, um, or at least chemicals and different things that never should have been mixed together, as I, as I can recall. Right. Um, like carbohydrates, natural food type products mixed with like cleaning, what would chemicals that would be in cleaning fluid. But the one of the first tests, though, did say that it had skin cells in it. They found human skin cells. Now, <laughs> That's crazy. How, how, what that was all about, it wasn't blood, but it, mm -hmm. it certainly looked like blood. No reason for it to be pouring out of the walls, you know. <laughs> no, and, and again, the reason how it was, wasn't really seeping out of the walls, the way I like to, what I described, what it was mimicking or replicating, the priest would go through the house, Catholic priest, with, with holy water. And, and they would, they would, they have this kind of wand type thing that takes the water and it casts droplets out, droplets of holy water, generally used to bless a thing or people when you throw the holy water. Well, those droplets um, hit the wall and eventually they dry. Well, if you can imagine doing that same thing, but with blood. So okay. you had splatters of this stuff. 10-foot-high ceilings, and, and it would be all the way up at the top of the ceiling, and these splatters of blood or splatters of liquid, and then it would run down the wall. So it wasn't coming out of the wall. It was being applied, and uh, uh, it didn't do the whole house in one day. It took several weeks, but it started on the third floor. Uh, there are pictures in my book of some of the wallpaper that had the, had the blood on it. Mm -hmm. There's also a dark history of the land uh, that your house sits on as well. Um, can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, that was another interesting point or dimension uh, to the story that the psychic told us that there were, there's a big, large oak tree in the front yard, several hundred years old. And she told us a story that there was a mother and her three daughters were killed by marauding uh, Native Americans during uh, some, you know, flare-up of a war, and that they were buried in the front yard, and that there, that tree was planted by the father who was not killed. He came home and found his dead family. She did say that one of the daughters was still alive but died the next day, and they were buried there, and he planted this tree on their grave. So she just tells me that, blurts this up. So again, I, I put on my investigative hat, and I just start searching the internet. And um, Fort Pitt, which Pittsburgh is named after, at the forks of the Monongahela and the Allegheny, where the Ohio begins, um, was a British fort, uh, later inherited by the United States. Well, after the Revolutionary War and uh, settlement began into Ohio, um, the American Indians, American Native Americans, weren't too happy about that because uh, they considered that their country. The British had let that area, that land alone, and wouldn't let anyone, any settlers go there. So they started a, a pretty big war. It was called the Northwest Indian War. And uh, the 
they they push this push the the this the Americans back all the way to Fort Pitt. So some way I got into the National Archives and I found a letter written by the commander of Fort Pitt, a man by the name of Craig, to the uh, Secretary of War at the time. And in the letter, as he's giving a report on what's happening and that they need more troops and that they, the Indians are across the river. And at the end of the letter, he says, oh, there was a report this week of a mother and her three children being killed, uh, gave their name uh, by the Indians. The father, who was not home at the time, came home to find them, and this was some distance from the support, from the fort. So it's the exact same story that Klein told me that wow. I find deep in the archives of the War Department. Um, from 1792. So then what I did, I hired a um, uh, ground penetrating radar company that uh, does commercial work and they brought one of their ground penetrating radars and they scanned the yard and they in fact verified that it was a grave and you could see the four bodies buried there. Wow. So, I mean, amazing, amazing information that this woman conveyed so accurate and, and that is just one example and the, the other thing was uh, a doctor was performing abortions in the home as well right yeah that's that's a that's another uh component of it too because there was no way in the world that she ever could have known about this doctor this doctor was a kind of a well-known legend not only in the area but in pittsburgh back in the 1930s and 40s. Apparently, he did abortions for the mob and was, had a lot of money, was quite wealthy. And uh, uh, apparently, there was divorce proceeding between he and his wife at some point in the 1940s, and it was on the front page of the paper every day. And so anyway, he was a well-known character in this town here. But... How Connie knew about him, uh, knew he was an abortionist, everyone that was like, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. But, uh, um, and then she went into, into detail about uh, how he rented out a space in our house, a bedroom, uh, to uh, perform his uh, practice in, at least part of his practice, because the house uh, had a wraparound driveway, and you could drive around the back of the house. The women uh, could come and go discreetly. And uh, so she she went in, into great detail and, again, knew things that she never should have or could have known. Right. And is that the blue room that you speak about in, in, in the That's book? the room that she she used to or, or that he would use. Right. And that, and that ended up being your son's bedroom. Uh, yeah. It was initially his bedroom. Uh, you know, later on, it became uh, my wife and I's bedroom as well. How was it that, I mean, if it was me moving into a home like that, my wife and my kids would be at the door with their bags packed after the first week. But you, you guys continued to stay in this home, and you fought well, through it, and... 
you know, I, I mean, that takes a lot of guts. Well, you again, know? remember, in the beginning, it was just my wife and I. I mean, the kids were little. We, and one was four, one was three, one was two, and one was a newborn. So they really didn't know what was going on for a long time. They eventually did, obviously. And we, we had just bought this house. You know, I was in love with the house, my dream house. My wife wasn't too, too excited about it. And, and, you know, she was right. I mean, you can, I mean, the house now, it's, a, it's, a, it's 110 years old. So that was... Um, how long ago? Thirty some years ago. So it was so pretty old then, and uh, it's just so big. You know, forty. I guess probably close to fifty windows in the house. Big windows. An old furnace. No insulation. Uh, lots of issues. But you know, we bought it, and I loved it, and uh, I was going to keep it, ghost or no ghost. Now. When things got hairy, and again, it, things didn't get serious for a number of years. For whatever reason, um, things didn't get ser- you know, dangerous for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So why did we stay? It was my house. I loved that house, and I didn't particularly get want to be forced out of it by anything. And two, um, we were in it long enough that it was our problem. I wasn't going to it off on some other unsuspecting family, right? like it was on us. <laughs> uh, I knew how serious it was. And, and three, I really had belief that eventually, through God, through the church, whatever, it could be dealt with. I didn't realize how long it was going to take or how difficult it would be, mm-hmm. and when, what damage it would do to me and the children and you know, it's, it's affected my life to this day. How long was it, uh, how long did it take between, between the time you moved in and when it was finally cleared from the home? Well, I mean, it was 18 years. I mean, it, 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 the, 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 it really didn't start getting bad in the house um, until about the year, a little after the year 2000. Uh, it, things hit the fan in 2003. And uh, it eventually was expelled completely in 2006. Right. And was it the, the church's involvement that ramped up the activity? Um, I, you know, that's a good question. Um, I, I do know that every time the priests would come and do what they did, things would get worse. Right. Because you used to hold mass in the home with you know other people from the community. You had... Uh, uh, the Passion of the Christ, the the film yeah, by we, Mel, we Mel Gibson, that. playing twenty four hours a, a day, day on for a loop. Six yeah, <laughs> so I mean, you really, I mean, you didn't back away. You you know, you pulled out all the stops, and you know, it's like you said, it, it took so long for for this thing to finally, you know, for you finally get rid of it. It must have been so frustrating. I, I know, I know, you're a religious person, you're a man of faith, and you've got a lot of faith in the church and and everything else. But you must have been so frustrated. And, and so much red tape, it seems, with the Catholic Church as well. Like so many people have to, you know, so many uh, levels to go through to get the help that you required. And we see this in other, you know, fiction and nonfiction stories as well. I'll tell you, I think they were kind of flying by the seat of their pants as well. Okay. Because this was so serious. 
And this thing was so strong and determined. This wasn't your run run of the mill poltergeist. Right. This was a, this was a high. This was a a, a ranking uh, um, entity, so to speak. Right. Uh, the, the demons are organized somewhat like an army, as angels are as well. And this was a this was a strong strong entity. W- once I was into it, um, the first year was was bad. Because we did feel really victimized, like what this, what's this thing going to do next? Um, and and I believe that halfway through it, when when the blood was sprinkled in the house, I mean, my wife and I were ready to get a divorce. The kids were in 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 the hospital. Basically, it was bad. Um, but after that, for some reason. I remember the priest told us around Christmas time we would get a two-week respite. And things did settle down. And uh, that's after that is when I contacted uh, the people from Penn State. They came sometime in January. And after they, they came twice, um, in about two weeks apart, they really broke the situation, broke it wide open. And from that point forward, I kind of, had a feeling, okay, I'm in a fight now. It's kind of like Rocky Balboa after he gets <laughs> to the first round. You know, right. I'm in this fight. And even though I'm outmatched, I can, I can hang in there. And uh, um, I learned, we learned how to fight back. And uh, as time went on, I learned more and more how to fight back. But it was a daily, arduous task. Took a lot of prayer. Um, took a lot of ritual. Um, I, I had to confront this thing almost on a nightly basis. It would it would be in the same room with me, and I always had this battle if I could get it to leave that room. And sometimes it would take hours uh, before I could get it to finally leave the room um, through various commands and saying the rosary and using holy water. But I could tell where it was in the room. I couldn't see it, but I could smell it. Right. When I was right upon it is when I could smell it, and I hit it with holy water. I know this sounds bizarre, but that was, this was the whole, it was just a, a real unnatural situation. And it was only one entity? I believe it was one. Yes, I do believe it was one. Now, um, could it have been more, but I, I just think I got to know this thing and feel it, um, feel its presence. Uh, I know what it smelled like. Uh, I think it was just one. Yeah, right. It would toy with me. But then, yeah, I got to the point where I, would, I, I eventually toyed with it as well. Weren't there other spirits in the house as well that were trapped there? Ghosts, yeah. Right. Ghosts. And, and again, there's a difference. At least, again, I'm, am I an expert? I guess somewhat. <laughs> you know, somewhat of an expert, but... I think there's some things that always be conjecture when you're talking about the paranormal and the supernatural. Um, I believe the difference is, you know, a ghost is the spirit of someone who once lived. And, and for whatever reason, whatever they did or didn't do, or they were involved in some tragedy or some such thing, their soul is tied to a location and a place or an event for a period of time. However long that might be, I, I personally think it's the Catholic doctrine of purgatory. Right. And and, and but they're human spirits. Um, could they be mean human spirits, evil? You know, uh, yes. But 
they're not demonic. A demonic, a demon, um, which is, is not a human spirit, is a fallen angel. It's a supernatural being. It's a powerful being. Um, and uh, the difference is that it, it's, very inact, it's very interactive. I mean, it's like dealing. I would talk to this thing. It would, it would respond to commands. Uh, whereas ghosts, you know, they, they're, they're ghostly. You know, you see them now. They're, you know, floating around. You'll see flashes of them. So, yes, um, Connie said that the spirit of a young woman uh, remained in the house. She had died as a result of a botched abortion. Uh, I also think that the spirit, the, 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 the ghost of, of, of the doctor um, could be there too, or could have been. I believe we still probably have at least one ghost in the house. Another ghost, another entity I want to mention is the mother of the children that were killed, the pioneer mother. Mm -hmm. um, people told me they've seen her in the front yard, hmm. um, dressed like, you know, dressed, dressed in pioneer type, like the garb you would see in a movie. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Are you tired of stale grocery store coffee? Mm-hmm. Then you need to check out Rampage Coffee. It's roasted fresh to order and delivered to your doorstep anywhere in Canada and the United States. It's delicious, and they have a high-caffeine blend called C4 that will blast you out of your morning slippers. Oh, wow. Get free shipping in Canada on their sampler bundle to try all four of their fantastic blends using the code PHANTOM. Go to rampagecoffee.com today. You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Bob Cranmer. And you, you still live in the house, too, right? I own the house. Um, as I had said before, um, my, my wife and I were divorced several years ago. Won't even get into that, but it was a, you know, a whole tragic event. Um, so I had this big house, lived in it, you know, by myself, three story, the top floor is a separate, like a servant's quarters. That's where I lived. And I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a uh, uh, you know valuable piece of property. It's a big lot, big impressive mansion, really. But uh, after I write this book, who's really gonna step forward and want to buy? <laughs> You'd be so, surprised. There are probably a lot of people out there. Said, oh, you wrote this book to make money? Yeah, I made my biggest investment unsaleable. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what can I do with it? You know, I, I so. It's more house than I can use, and over uh, 10 years had gone by since the end of all the stuff. You know, the house is fine. You know, my grandkids sleep there. They don't know anything about anything that happened in the house. It's fine. Uh, again, every rarely will have some type of a ghostly type event, but very, very, very rare. Maybe once a year. Um, so I decided I'm going to. I'm going to turn it into a bed and breakfast. And I took a couple of years and uh, I'd say today it's, it's probably one of the nicest places to stay in Pittsburgh. <laughs> wow. And, and we have, you know, we have a lot of people who come to know, we don't promote the book. 
They know nothing. We don't promote it on the website. But a lot of people, especially local people, know about the story. They come there because of the book. Right. They don't, don't stay in the blue book. You don't sell copies in the lobby? <laughs> well, I, you know, we, we, had, we, we sell like little mugs and souvenirs, and we did have them out, but I found... I don't want to freak people out. You know, somebody comes to stay there and they don't know anything about the book and then they, they see the book there and then they get all worked up. Right. So if somebody comes and they express, they express a knowledge about the book and they want to ask me questions and talk about it, certainly I'll entertain that, but I don't go out of my way to market it. Now, if there's a movie or something made, if Warner Brother makes the movie, you know, We'll see. But at this point in time, if, if someone says, yeah, well, we'd like to buy the book. Sure, I have 10 or 15 books there, and they can buy for $10, but I don't have them sitting out. And, uh, I mean, it's no secret what what street you're on, and here's a picture of the house on the book, so it's not hard to find. You must get a lot of uh, odd people just showing up at random times, and, and I'm sure you get a lot of paranormal investigators asking to come into the house as well, too, right? Well, not, you know, I made it pretty clear. There was a lot of publicity when I opened it up as a bed and breakfast. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a famous house in Pittsburgh um, because of the book, and, 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 and too, because I, I'm, I'm somewhat still somewhat of, not as much as I used to be a celebrity, but I was elected an elected official in the county. I was a county commissioner years ago, so a lot of people know me for that. So when I opened up the bed and breakfast this last year, um, the newspapers all did articles and videos and made a big deal about it. And I made it pretty clear that, you know, people want to come and stay because of the book, that's fine, but I don't want, you know, EVP meters and all that <laughs> stuff, people in the house trying to stir. I don't need anyone trying to stir anything up. Anytime ghost hunters have asked, I even had that show, Ghost Hunters, want to come to the house. Mm -hmm. And anyone that wants to come and try to find spirits, I say no. Right. Uh, they want to come like the couple programs, uh, Paranormal Witness, uh, A Haunting, um, The Exorcist Files on Discovery. You know, they want to come and do a documentary on the story that's fine, but I don't want, you know, the, the guy who yells at ghosts to come in and yell in my basement. Right. <laughs> Bob, have you, ever, that guy is, have, you, have you ever talked to any of your neighbors and see if, if they have had any uh, strange occurrences or phone in, in their home as well because of the, the, the history of the land? Well, um, I know the folks that live behind us, right behind us, in fact, they, the previous owners, it's a big lot, real big lot. And really, it was four four residential lots the house is built on, and and they they sold one of the back lots, which I wish they would not have done because uh, they squeezed a little house right into what was the back almost the backyard. Um, I know that those folks have had a lot of problems since they lived there, hmm. um, a, a lot of family problems, a lot a lot of issues. And, and also claimed some paranormal uh, situation. Now, um, if that's because of them being so close in proximity uh, to our house, it, it might be, um, I think they have their own issues. So other than that, um, 
You know, the, the town itself, though, was kind of a product of, or was negatively impacted, and went on to have a really kind of bad reputation because of its involvement with organized crime, right. or the presence of organized crime in the town over, over the years. And I think the police department became somewhat corrupt. Um, you had a lot of, lot of, lot of really odd things for a small town. That funny, um, I think it's all disappeared now since the, our house is clean. Hmm. And uh, when I came, moved back and bought that house, I got involved in, in local government in the town there and uncovered a lot of this corruption uh, in the government that had been there for decades. Um, so I, I think it's interesting that I not only addressed the corruption in the town, but I think eventually I addressed the source of it as well. Right. Have you found yourself uh, uh, opened up a little bit more to uh, supernatural, the paranormal? Like, do you ever go to other people's homes and catch something out of the corner of your eye or... Well, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, intuitive or I think sensitive. I'm, I'm 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 very sensitive to it now, to an extent. I don't I don't try to get involved with it. People that are involved with war, they don't want to have anything to do with it when it's over. And and again, I don't think the paranormal is something that should be someone's hobby, um, because you never know what you're going to deal with. Right. You know, you can go out and find ghosts and so on. You find an angry ghost. You find a ghost that maybe wants to hurt you, um, if they can or not. But you you, you stumble across a demon. Uh, that's dangerous. Right. And you never know what you're going to find. And they're very good at masking who they are and what they are. To me, I, I say it's like, you know, having a hobby of disarming bombs, you know. <laughs> Um, I, I don't want anything to do with it. You know, when, when I get contacted a lot by people, local people, over the internet, um, I have this problem in my house, I have that problem in my house. Um, even though I know what to do, because I still, in my own house, I have a preventive maintenance system for it, where I you know, carry, carry out blessings uh, you know, once or twice a year. I don't. I don't seek or want to get involved with it again. I, I, I just don't want anything to do with it if I don't have to. Now, I give these interviews because I think that's a whole separate thing. It's the kind of like it's almost like my ministry, you know, like a religious ministry. Because ultimately, there's a very deep message of faith to the book, and that's what I feel my involvement is. Yeah. You also had a, a dog that was... Uh, oh, yes, I forgot about the dog. Yeah, Sandy, I think the dog's name was? Sandy, the, the, yeah. poor, the poor dog. Yeah. <laughs> we had a cat, too. And uh, the cat was uh, interesting. The cat and dog were very sensitive. They could see this thing. You know, the, the cat, for a time at night, for a long time, I should say, would sleep across the uh, doorway to our bedroom at night. Now, what a place to sleep, but to stretch out at the doorway. Um, you know, I didn't tell her to do that. She'd do it. The dog could see it. Um, it was amazing. Uh, all the time, the dog would, like, be looking into a, an empty bedroom or 
If you were in the dining room, it would be looking in the kitchen or vice versa. Always someplace you could not see, but would be barking. I mean, really barking, like there was someone standing right in front of it. Mm-hmm. And wow. um, really, he played a key part in the in the in the the final um, final scene. And there is a picture in the book when he would go into what I called his terminal stare where he just, his eyes would bug out. I knew he was looking at it. And for whatever reason, our, when we, these, these supernatural entities, our animals can see them, but we can't. Our mind, for some reason, can't process what our eyes are seeing, but the dog can. And I remember the night, the picture you're looking at now, um, I had been upstairs with a regular 35 millimeter camera taking pictures of that blood on the wall. And as I came down the steps, I saw him at the bottom of the steps with his terminal stare looking up at me. And I simply held the camera in front of me and I took a couple pictures. And uh, when we got them developed, uh, here I was right in the midst of this thing. And... um, the final event that I refer to is the final mass that took place in the basement. I think this thing was so weak, it was finally just confined to the basement. And as we were saying mass, it was in the next room knocking on the, on the wall, the wooden wall, during the consecration of the mass. And once the mass was concluded, Sandy, who could no longer, he was so older, he could no longer negotiate steps couldn't go up and down steps. And when we all went downstairs to Mass, he stood at the top of the steps and barked like, hey, I'm supposed to be there too. <laughs> I went up and got him and carried him down, you know, good-sized dog, carried him down, set him there. After the Mass, he, he meandered into the furnace room and he went into the room, to the room where coal used to be stored. And he did his terminal stare into that room, like he was pointing, and we knew the entity was in that room. And Father Mike and I went into that room and had the final confrontation with it there, and then that was the end of it. So Sandy the dog, he hunted it down, and... Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was like your own uh, furry little EMF meter. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with uh, Father Ron and uh, Connie, the, the psychic medium, who... Connie, Connie calls me on a regular basis out of the blue. She just called me probably a week before last. Oh, very nice. And, and we'll ask questions and so on, and where these questions come from. And they're kind of so random. But, yeah, she, I'm on her mind all the time. And um, uh, Father Ron is older now. He's in his 80s. Um, I would say, you know, he's a, he's a primary uh, person in the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh. And for the past couple of years, they've had their own issues. So right. he hasn't had much time, I and, think. And he has some of his own uh, clairvoyant abilities as well, right? He does. He did to an extent. I mean, I didn't know during this whole process that Connie even existed. He would deal with her. When I would tell him things that would happen, he was like an intermediary. I thought, during when I wrote the book, I thought it was him that was 
the, the psychic, but it, it wasn't. And I didn't know about her until I actually started, actually, you know, began the process of writing the book mm-hmm. at the end. So um, I, I occasionally, I used to talk to Father Ron all the time. Um, Father Mike uh, just uh, moved to Scranton, so I, I do keep in touch with him. He was boots on the ground. He was the guy that was there by my side, you know, all the time. Father Mike was the was the you know the guy in the trenches with me at the house. Right. Lots of clearings that have been done. There's such a change once the uh, entity is gone, as far as the pressure in the house, if you will. Yes, or the, absolutely. And is that totally true? That's. Uh, Oh, no question. No, yeah. no question. I mean, everybody, all the guests that come to the house now, yeah. they just talk about how peaceful it is. Right. And how nice and serene it is. Really. They all oh, sleep so good. It's fine. You know, I like to say, man, if you only knew. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, but you're right. It, it is very, it's, it's peaceful. I'm, I'm still always on edge, though. I always will be. I would imagine there, you know, there must be there that little bit of paranoia that you're going to walk in one day and, and that odor is going to be back or, you know, there's going to be that heavy presence. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> I hope it never does. You know, yeah. I remember years after, you know, paranormal events would still continue maybe, you know, several times a month and then every so many months. And then it, it just kind of, the exorcist told us that it would, it would happen for a time and then, and then eventually stop. Uh, I don't know if we're quite there yet, but there's a long blessing process I go through in the house, takes several hours, um, but it's, it's pretty uh, effective. Excellent. It's very effective. Bob, how do people get a, uh, a copy of your book, and how do they check out your uh, your B and B now? Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> well um, I guess everything everything can be found on um, there's a web page for the book um, demonofbrownsville.com. Okay. Um, there's a, there are links to Amazon and Barnes and Noble to buy the book. Uh, there are links to um, media stories on it. There are links that probably should still work. I haven't tested them in a long time to the television programs or interviews that I've done. And there's also a link to the bed and breakfast. Um, Simply they could go on Amazon and buy the book, The Demon of Brownsville Road by Bob Cranmer. Um, And obviously the B&B is is on there. It's called uh, The Brownsville Roadhouse. All right. I, I thought it'd be good to you know <laughs> kind of right. give the B and B a name that's somewhat associated with the book. Now you mentioned that Warner Brothers did buy the rights to the. Well, yeah. The one of the divisions, Mark? New Line, New Line Cinema. Are we ever going to see it turn into a film? Well, I, you know, I don't. I don't know. Um, they bought it about a little over a year ago for eighteen months. Um, now, I know there hasn't been a lot of movies being made yeah. lately. Um, they have the right to um, uh, buy a second 18 months when that is up, if they haven't had the time to get to it. If they don't, uh, there's another company that's already contacted me and uh, was interested in it. I said, the rights are gone. They said, well, if they don't, if they expire, let us know. Right. Now, if- you're looking at Stallone or Schwarzenegger to play you? 
I think those guys are uh, kind of old now. <laughs> well, it's amazing what you can do with makeup these days, right? Yeah, so. yeah. but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, well, you know what? If it ever gets into a movie, we can say, hey, we know that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so. it's, it's quite a compelling story if they do it right and they, 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 they put the, uh, the whole story in um, and, and what it's all about. Uh, there's a lot there, and I think it's probably one of the most complete paranormal haunting stories there is. Well, it's, a, uh, it's, a, from the it's, it's a good I, one. <laughs> I did so much research on it. I verified so much of the information, and there's a start and a finish. I mean, we, we always were looking, what caused this? And I, I think we did find the reason. that It was with the land. It was that murder that took place. Right. And... It just eventually stayed there and inhabited the house and continued on. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question? No. Oh. <laughs> We're always bugging Rachel because she's so quiet. So are you picking up on anything with Bob? Yeah, I, I wrote down just a few notes that I was picking up on you. Um, the very first thing I got was that you look for the truth behind what's happening, the truth behind why you had these spirits. And you just just said that where I laughed at Dan because oh. I'm like, that's what I wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And um, I feel like like you, you you had so much of your heart into knowing what was real, what wasn't real, but what was part of the good and what was part of the bad. Like that was very I don't know. Uh, you you needed to know the actual facts of it all. It it just seems like that was like that's that military background. Yeah, right? absolutely. <clears throat> but um, I also got too that like you have. Oh, it's almost like you have a team of guardian angels that were helping you through this whole battle too. Like you, it's like a you had your own um, soldiers with you. I had to have, you know. <laughs> and I've had other other medium psychics say the same thing to me. Well, there you go. Um, and again, I, I'm not I'm not projecting myself as anything that happened to me or anything. You know, I don't have anything to do. I'm just a soldier. Um, you know, carrying out what my duty is, but I, I, I've heard that there's someone said there's a, a purple aura around me or something, which which means protection, and I, I must have had protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say though that um, you know, writing a book like this is, uh, we say it's like outing the mob. The mob isn't happy when it's exposed. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, negative things that have, have happened to me, and I'm not complaining. I just kind of go through it and live with it. And, um, uh, you know, losing my son and so on, uh, that was a tragedy. And, you know, ultimately, if my, my involvement with the book, I just hope it's over, but I, I will testify to its, its uh, validity and the truth of it as long as I can hmm. because of the message. Absolutely. Being a soldier, too, you're getting that message to others so you can help others down the road. Well, you know, I, I, I point to, and I always say, it points to the power, the power and the, the, the value of the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I unabashedly say that because it works, and that's what it was about. And there was a reason that 
all of us, us wearing crucifixes and so on, the crucifixes would be mangled and torn apart and broken in half because it represented, represented uh, good and it represented righteousness. And um, for me to be able to have that message and to make it part of the message of this book and to literally tell thousands and thousands of people about it. And I think a lot of young people have this interest in the paranormal is because they don't, there's no religious training anymore. So many people don't go to church for various reasons. A lot of it, the, you know, the organized religion's fault. But nonetheless, they still have a yearning and an interest and a feeling within themselves that there's more than just this life in our body. When we die, we, we, we just don't die and go away and rot away. And I think that interest in the paranormal is young people just reaching out to say, I know there's something else. There's something else. And uh, my message is, well, yes, there is. It's, it's you know, it's Absolutely. what's in the Bible. It's all true. All right. Books available everywhere. Good bookstores. Amazon. Yeah, and in Canada you can find it at Chapters or Indigo. Right. And that's where I found it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a great read. So, I yeah. mean, I went right to the car. Yeah. <laughs> I read for about an hour and, and uh, I read it in like three days. Right. So. Yeah, I have a lot of people that say they pick it up and some have told me they've read it straight through. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to put down. It is It is uh, very well done. And, you know, if you're if anyone's interested in the paranormal and that type of thing this is one of the books to read so. even for folks who aren't i mean oh for they, sure they, they have no 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 involvement in it and they read that it make, really kind of blows yeah. it away and make, of, makes you wonder so say hey i need I, I bought three or four copies for my kids <laughs> stocking <laughs> stuffers yeah yeah I've, I've had that i've had book talks where you know we, we go out and uh they'll buy five or six copies i even spoke one time i was at a a UFO convention. Wow. They asked me to talk. I mean, there's a couple of hundreds of people, these UFO folks out there, and I got up and said, you know what, folks? I don't believe in aliens. I believe it's all demonic. I said, I think it's all demonic. And, and I thought that, that, that like, blew me off the stage. <laughs> we bought books there that were gone, like, in five minutes. All our books were sold. Wow. <laughs> Well, there is a theory that, uh, you know, people think that their aliens are interventional demons and demonic and that kind of thing. So, but I guess we'll all find out one day, won't we? Yeah, I think the deeper and deeper you get into that UFO stuff, the more and more you see it. Yeah, it's, there, it's, it's, the, it's a big rabbit hole, that's for sure. Yep. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. It's been a real pleasure. I uh, enjoyed it. Really, was... I liked it. I like this format of just... Kind yep. of talking. The, That's the, why I asked you if you read the book. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm probably going to read it again, too. So. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. And nice we'll, meeting all of you. And we'll, uh, nice we'll, have to get, you. we'll have to get you back to Georgian Bay. Oh, hey, I want to come back. All right. Absolutely. Well, you let me know. I've got a place. Just leave your demon on the other side of the border. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thank Bye. you, Bob. Thank you. Bye now. Phantom Faction Podcast a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.